Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Today, what I want to really drill in with you really fast, and it's not going to be long, is, okay, Pastor B, Pastor Starbucks, you guys have done an excellent job sharing the gospel. And here's the truth of the matter is, here's the truth of the matter. We can preach the entire year plus some about the gospel and will not cover all of the gospel. There's just so much involved in the gospel. And here's the thing. Most of what we shared is what we call the synoptic gospels, which which is Mark, Matthew, and Luke. We did not cover John, the gospel according to John, which is a whole nother lesson in itself. All we did was give you an introduction to the introduction of the gospel, if that makes sense. We just literally tipped the touch of the iceberg just to say, hey, here's the gospel. Here's what it's about. And so... And so there's so much more we can talk about, but I hope that in what we've shared with you so far, it gives you an idea of what the gospel is and how it was created for you and I. Now that we've given you that little bit of information, a synopsis, if you will, the question probably is with all of you, now what do I do with all of this stuff you've given me? All of this knowledge about the gospel and how it's for me and it's the good news. What do I do with this good news? What what is required of me by God to do with this good news? And today, I want to talk with you about that. I want to share with you, if you have a Bible or not, that it may, it may, no, it's not in your notes. I didn't give this one to Tia because I wanted, to, I wanted you all to get involved in this. So if you don't have a physical Bible, you can use uh, version on your phone, which is a Bible app. You can go to that, and I want you to uh, meet me over in uh, Romans, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, Tia because she's fast, she'll have it up in about five, four, three, two, one. I'm just playing. But she'll have that up there for you if you don't have a Bible. But if you do, join me over in the book of Romans, chapter 5. And I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 5. And this is Paul giving us the assurance of the gospel. He's sharing with us what the gospel provides for us in assurance. And so I want to share that with you today. We're going to talk a little bit about it, and then I want to move you somewhere else. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 says this. If you're not with me, again, it'll be on the screen in just a moment here. Paul says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Let me stop by there, right there. This is a very important thing to catch. Therefore... Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. In other words, the gospel never required us to do anything physically. 
Uh, we didn't have to go to seminary. The, the gospel didn't require us to take a, a journey somewhere or a pilgrimage. The gospel never required us. We've been made right by what? Not our studies, not, 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 not by our, our, our works, but we've been made right by our faith. That's very important. Hold on to that because that's, that's the one thing I want you all to hold on to as we get to where we're going. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of, there's that word again, our faith, not our works, not our deeds, not our studying, but because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confidence of hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love by faith. We've made it this far. It's been our faith in Christ. It's not been our works. It's not been our studying. It's not been our expertise. It's not been our knowledge. It's not certainly been your pastor. It's not been your spouse. It's been your faith that has got you. And the good news is, and he says it here, the good news is where we can rejoice is that no matter what we're facing, no matter what our challenges is, no matter what we run into, the the trials or whatever, God is with us, and everything we go through helps us grow. If you were with me last week, I said something that's very important, and I, and I hope it's stuck with you. God doesn't challenge us for no reason. He doesn't do it to entertain himself. He doesn't say, this week I'm going to challenge Emily. He doesn't say, this week I'm going to challenge Brandon because I just feel like doing it. It's like he doesn't look at us as action figures or, or pieces on a chessboard to challenge us. He challenges us to what? Change us. He challenges us to change us. And how many of you know that growth is change? Wherever you are today, you prayed about being here at some point. And along the way, you went through trials. You went through challenges. You went through some stuff. But guess what? He built up within you the endurance to withstand so much more. Because in each level you go to, how many, we have any gamers in the house Come on, we got one. Thank you for thank you for your honesty. Some people don't want to admit they're gamers. You remember now? Now I grew up in upstate New York, and no matter where you grew up, there was always a pizzeria. I don't care what city you grew up in. In most cases, you went to a pizzeria, and when you went to a pizzeria, there were arcades in there. Now, back when I was growing up, the popular game was uh, was uh, Super Mario Brothers. Okay, and you go in there in the pizzeria, you want to get you a slice, but really you go in there, the first thing you do before you order your slice, you look to see if your initials are still up on the game. Am I lying? First thing you do, you go in there like, oh, they took my initials down. I'm in third place. I've got to replace LMO or whoever, you know what I mean? And you mad, so you're like, give me my slice. And while they're getting your slice together, you dropping quarters in there. Why? Because you want your name at the top. But to get your name at the top, to have your initials there, required you to go through a whole bunch of levels. And each level was more difficult. You had to figure your way out to defeat whatever the the animal or demons, whatever game you were playing. You had to figure out, how can I do this meticulously? How can I get my initials up at the top? And those video games are a lot like life. 
We have to figure out each level. Each, each level God takes us to comes with more challenges. Each level that God presents to us becomes more obstacles. But guess what? He built up within each and every single one of us the character of endurance. We have to learn how to be patient in working through the endurance. See, we can handle a lot, but that's a part of the challenge in change. That's a part of the challenge that God puts us through so that we can change. And as I said before, growth is change. Growth is change. So what do we do with this good news where, where, where God doesn't require us to add anything? He uses what we already have. He doesn't, God doesn't ask us to bring anything. Uh, uh, he's there for us. He's forgiven us. There's grace. We, we have access to him without a wall preventing us from getting to him. What do we do with this information? Well, I'll say it this way. The only reason I can read this scripture from Paul is because somehow, some way, the gospel was brought to him. Now, we know that there was a, a, a thing that happened with him on Damascus Road where, 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 where the Holy Spirit blinded him and, 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 and wouldn't let him see and, and held him captive spiritually. And then, uh, you know, he, he gave his life and became a Christian. And, and we know that story. But even in that process, he had to embrace the good news, the good news that God became man dwelled among us and, be, and, and became flesh, died for you and I. The wall, the veil that separated us from him was now torn down and was available to everybody regardless of where they're from or who they are, regardless of their past, regardless of their pedigree, regardless of their sins. He died for you and I. Each and every one of us sinners so that we could have access to him and be forgiven. No longer do you have to come to the pastor or the priest to be uh, prayed for or prayed over. The prayer field is now level. No longer do you have to ask permission to worship. You can go wherever you please, specifically in this country, to worship because a man, because God became man and flesh and died for you and I. Wow. That's good news. But, but, but what do I do with all of this good news? If, if God has forgiven me, regardless of my, my past, if God has given me a second, third, fourth, fifth chance, what do I do with that, pastor? Let me tell you what Jesus said to the disciples. This is when he, after he was resurrected, came back, spent time with them. Forty days later, here's what he says with them. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Here it is. This is what you do with that good news that's been shared for you the good news that we've shared over these past few weeks. This is what you do with it. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you 
always, even to the end of age. Mark 15, 16 says it this way. I want you to hear this. It's the same passage. It's the same thing. It's recorded in both of these Gospels. Mark 15, uh, 16 says this. I want you to catch this. And he makes it plain and simple. It says this. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Everything you've seen me do over the past three years, everything you've heard about me, everything you've witnessed, everything I've ever said to you, everything that you've seen in the past three years. And plus, watch this, everything that you've witnessed even after I came back. You've seen the miracles I've performed. You've seen who I've spoken to. You've seen where I've gone to share this message of love and grace and compassion. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go all over the world and preach the good news. Some of y'all are like, oh, I'm not a preacher. I'm, I'm, I'm not a preacher. That's, that's, that's not for me, Pastor. I want to share a quote with you, man, and it's so powerful. I love it. I, I, I love this, this, this scripture, uh, this quote, by the way, by uh, Francis of Assisi. He says this, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. In other words, your life should be a living example of what the gospel means. How you walk in your life, how you live your life. Everybody you encounter, wherever you are, the supermarket, the library, the school, at your job, in the parking lot, wherever you are, your life should be the living example of a real life example of the gospel. That's how you preach. A pastor once told me, he says, he says, listen, man, I want to tell you something, Pastor Broderick. You know, you're on this journey. He says, I want to make this clear, and I want to say this to you right now. The greatest sermon you'll ever preach is the life you live. Elizabeth, the greatest sermon you'll ever preach is the life you live. Taria, the greatest gospel you'll ever share is the life you live. Sam, the greatest gospel you'll ever live is the, is, preach is the one you live. Your life is a living example of what the gospel should be. You don't even have to part your mouth unless it's necessary. Each and every one of you are here today because you prayed to be here. No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about in this room. You're not in this room because you prayed to be here. No, I'm, I'm not talking about this, this school, this church. No, I'm talking about where you are in your life. I guarantee at one point in your life, you prayed to be where you are. You prayed someday that you would be a wife. You prayed someday that you would be a mother. You prayed someday that you would be in the career that you're in. As a matter of fact, that was on your prayer list when you went to God and says, God, I want this job. And God said, baby, you got it. You pray at one point to be where you are. And before that point, you prayed about the point before then. And before that point, you prayed about the point before then. You prayed about the college you wanted to go to. You prayed that God would, that they would send you an acceptance letter to that university. And baby, you got in. You prayed to be a part of that sorority or fraternity. You prayed and God said, I will make it happen. Wherever you are today, some point in your life, you prayed you'd be here. So don't give up now. It gives us the gospel, the good news, the challenges. There's the good news to endure. You already know about endurance. Baby, you've made it this far. And you got a whole lot of life left in you. 
You've made it this far by grace and by prayer. (laughs) You already got endurance. This ain't the first time your head has been down, and it ain't the last time it'll be. But you just keep on pressing. You just keep on pushing. And and just know this. Just know this. Oh, this is good. As I read this book, this book of books, the gospel, can I tell you how secret? And I'll open this up another time. The gospel does not start and begin with those four books. The gospel does not start and end with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The good news is this whole entire book and in all of it, this entire book is the gospel. This entire book is the good news. And if I read this book from the beginning all the way to the part where there are maps at, we, the believers, win. Never has anyone been let down. And everyone that God challenged in this entire book was blessed beyond their own imagination. Even those who suffered, they received the greater blessing than they could ever imagination. Some of them didn't live to see it, but oh my goodness, their great, great grandkids were tremendous heirs to all that their sacrifice that their ancestors have made for them prior. Listen, I'm trying to tell you something. There's something greater here. Me and Starbucks were joking earlier. We were playing with Mason and, and watching the other little kids. I says, brother, this is the future of Mosaic. We're just setting this thing up. We're just preparing this thing for them. We're not going to see how great Mosaic is. We might not even be here to witness the greatness of what we're planting right now. We're just planting seeds in good soil right now. And what's going to happen is after a couple of seasons, we're going to see a ripe harvest. And oh, my goodness, baby. But it starts with us planting the seed. There's some greater things to come. Some greater things to come. So that's the good news of the gospel. I said I was going to be short. I want to invite up here to the, to the pulpit area with me, Pastor Starbucks. We want to open this up for some questions and stuff this morning. I just wanted to get that out my system. And then we want to uh, take all of your questions. You got that? All right, I'll get your seat then. And so here's how this is going to work. Now, I don't have us sitting up here by ourselves because then we just start preaching again and then we'll be here till about 3 o'clock. I'm just playing. Here's how this is going to work. We are going to ask you to come up to the mic. Um, And again, it's not so that you can be amplified. We in this room can hear you. But we want to make sure that we capture this on the podcast. So those who, who are regular listeners, and we have people who listen all over this country, people as far away as California, uh, subscribe regularly to our podcast. We want to make sure they're included in this. And so... um, Pastor Starvos, man, uh, I'm glad to have you up here with me. You are uh, much wiser than I am. No, no, not at all. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, we want to definitely make sure that we take your questions about anything we've talked about pertaining to the gospel. Uh, while I was away, I listened to the podcast, and I, I know y'all had plenty of them. And I was like, man, I hope they save some of that for the end because, you know, I want, I want to make sure that we can address those questions. So if you have questions, this is the time for you to come on up and, 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 and ask those questions about anything we've talked about pertaining to the gospel. So, <laughs> Pastor Starvos. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Any questions I can answer for you? <laughs> I think I did want to add to something you, you were talking about. Um, That's good. 
thinking about the idea of seed planting and something that's been in my spirit for a long time um, in what I do both, I guess now in my life and even anything I plan to do as far as any kind of activism or any kind of ministry is really seeing it also in that, that seed and harvest but also as almost cathedral building. Mm. Uh, the idea of there were generations of people that built cathedrals. So it was said that it was started by one man and maybe his grandson would really finish it. He wouldn't even see it. So the idea right now we're laying the foundation for something greater. And even with that, I think also of our ancestors as far as, you know, especially us of uh, being of African-American descent, of seeing what our ancestors endured, you know, that endurance, and for us to now reap the benefits of many of that, that, that happens now in our lives. So that same idea of realizing that what we do right now is spreading this good news of spreading the gospel, that you're laying the foundation always and looking beyond your own situation, looking beyond yourself, even looking beyond your own children. And so the, the Bible also says a wise man, like always, always add a wise woman, mm. you know, uh, stores up enough, leaves inheritance for you know, their, their grandchildren or children's children. Yeah. So that same idea of inheritance being more than just financial inheritance. But what, what is your legacy? What legacy do you leave, not just again for your actual bloodline, for anyone who comes after you and how we live our lives and how we really, how we model the life of Christ for others and it being about more than just where you are right now. That's good, man. That's good. That's good. We were talking uh, uh, a little bit earlier about, you said something that was really wonderful about how we live our lives. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact quote you said. Um, forgive me if I'm drawing a blank. You said it, it, it was pretty good. Something you actually shared with, with this group, uh, I guess, maybe oh, week yeah, one or two. Yeah. He's like, I don't remember either. <laughs> but it was really good, and it has something uh, uh, really to do with how we live our lives. And uh, anyway... Well, if I remember it, I'll, I'll, I'll mention we'll it again. Yeah. So it, if there are no questions, which I'm, I'm amazed that, okay, we have a question. Uh, good morning. Um, I, I think I asked this like the first uh, time you preached, and I guess I would like to know what does evangelism look like, like in 2014? Because clearly, as I shared with the church, you guys remember when I said that there was a point where I was doing that. But I didn't feel like spiritually it was the right way to do it. The approach was a little too confrontational. Mm -hmm. So tell us what does spreading the message today look like, you know, for folks who are, you know, you know, are we are we going on social media? Like, what does that look like? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I'll take a stab at it. Go for it. Sure. All right. So so here's what evangelism has evolved over the years. Obviously, you know, uh, they went from. From biblically speaking, they went where they go from town to town, sharing it and and going into temples and you know just wrecking shop there to to uh, going door to door to eventually we start doing these things where we're handing out tracks, which uh, if you don't know what tracks are, they're like little pieces of paper or something that says you know hey God is with scripture on it. And to now we're at a place where you know as you mentioned, social media is is huge. We have more people now in this generation. We we have a different generation first of all. We're, we're serving a, an entitled generation. In other words, they, and what I mean by entitlement, there's, uh, they want everything fast and quick. In other words, if I'm going to visit a church, before I even go to the place, I want to go to their website. I want to see what songs they sing. I want to hear their podcasts. I want to see what the pastor looked like. I want to see what his wife looks like, if he has a wife. I want to see what the people look like and the leadership. And so uh, everything now has been techni- you know, technologically driven, if you will. But I say there are certain things that never change. And the greatest way of evangelizing is face-to-face and sharing and fellowship one-on-one. 
uh, there's an intentionality behind it. Sure, you know, the new technology can work mm -hmm. if you're trying to reach masses. But when we think about evangelizing, we have to think about disciple making, right? And disciple making happens in what? Relationship. Exactly. Now, many of us, I know people personally who, who, who live by social media have a bunch of friends, but they've never broken bread with any of them, right? I got thousands of friends. When was the last time you broke bread with them? And so I can post scripture all day, but will you change by me posting scripture? Or if I hang out with you, only then can you see the real life that I live. If, you, if, you, if we break bread together, if you all up in my business. And I think that is effective evangelism. And, it, I, you know, the, ultimately I think we all want to reach masses, right? It, it, we want to reach the masses, but I'd rather spend a whole bunch of time with one person and that person makes a decision to, to live their life and then they take what they heard and they share it with one person. That's discipleship. That's disciple making. That's evangelism in my personal opinion. It's not fact, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I, w I would agree with that. Um, I think it's something I, w I would, I've heard called sweat equity. You know, as well as really building equity with someone. And then from there, as we talked about before, sharing your story, and it also reminds me of something that was brought up earlier, I think, uh, that you know, Mike brought up to the idea that even with Jesus, this idea of he just really gathered, though he had, he had many followers, there was his main 12. And so with these just 12 guys, we're sitting here now, you know, in this year, 2014, because those 12 guys took that story and Paul took that story and shared it. So this what, what they had lived in their own lives, their experience with Jesus, but also Jesus' story and who Jesus was for them. So it's just starting in small numbers and allowing it to spread. The same idea of seed planting, cathedral building, whatever, whatever metaphor or simile you want to use, there is, there is this idea it's based in building relationship and just loving people, allowing them to love you because we need each other, and that's how it spreads. Yeah, and even with the 12, right, there was like, he had 12, but he only had like three that were like his main yeah, people. Yeah. Like there were only three that he would call to go pray with him. So they were only like three that actually were able to go and see how he prayed and how he did his stuff. You know, so even with, I mean, he really started really yeah, small group, if yeah. we think about it. And, you know, and so it's really relational. It's those people that you build the relationship with. And that's where evangelism happens. And that's discipleship. Some people will say it's grand, but no, it's really smaller. It's really, you know, relational. It reminds me too, man, of Jesus always saying that uh, the kingdom of heaven is like you send a small seed or the yeast you put in bread. He never talks about any these grand things. It's, yeah. just, it's really small. And he always gives those kind of examples that it starts really small and it grows. You want to put a little bit of yeast in bread to watch it rise. You put a small seed in the ground, it gives you an entire tree. Mm. So that same thing. That's good. That's good. Wow. I like this. This is fun, man. <laughs> All right. We have another question? Yes, come on up. Mike. Yeah. Um, on that same line of evangelism and spreading the gospel, oh. <laughs> <laughs> on that same um, line of spreading the gospel, I know I'm not an evangelist, but I like to spread the gospel wherever I go. And I need, I, I would like to ask you guys, how can you approach people without being confrontational? Like you said, like when they say, how are you? And I always say, I'm blessed. And so are you, my sister or my brother. I mean, how else can you start a conversation with someone? That's a great. You want to you stab at it first and I'll follow up? I think saying, uh, saying. Well, I, let me repeat the question. So the question was, um, was, you know, how, how can you be non-confrontational in your evangelism? You know, how can you, how can you talk to people and not be confrontational? I think I also want to speak to, so in that question, I heard you say that you like to spread the gospel, but you're not an evangelist. So essentially, you're an evangelist. 
So uh, <laughs> I think in many ways, that same idea of that gospel being, you know, evangelism or spreader of good news is what that word comes down to. We've made it this big churchy thing. But if you like to talk about Jesus and just share what you've experienced with people, then we're all evangelists. Again, even with the idea of uh, Francis of Assisi, if you live, you live a life in a way that you try to live according to Christ, then you're evangelizing. If you're trying to spread this thing one way or the other. Um, I think getting back to what we said, the same idea of doing it in a, a non-confrontational way is not always approaching people and saying, well, do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? But just saying, hey, how are you doing? And just really getting to know their story. And if you don't, because if you just simply try to give them something without allowing them to give you what they're really going through, then essentially almost planting a seed on bad ground, which is, again, something that Jesus talks about. So you keep trying to plant a seed where there is no fertile ground. But if you give that equity of saying, okay, well, what are you going through? This is what I'm going through. How are you doing? And if there's a relationship, even that small moment at times, just a little bit, you then open up the, the door and say, okay, well, this is what I'd like to talk to you about, and this is how I feel about Jesus. That's good. That's good. I, I, I would agree. Uh, and, and if you look at, if we look at how, how, how Jesus approached the commoners, okay, he, he dealt with the, uh, the people at the temple differently than he dealt with just the people that were, you know, the commoners, if you will. He never walked in. Speaking of his majesty, he, he always spoke to them like they were regular. He spoke to those, you know, in parables. He spoke to, he spoke to them. He just talked yeah. to them. Hey, how you doing? I'm Jesus, you know. And, and then, I mean, he didn't even say that because they, they knew about it. He just would have conversation with them. So a lot of times we don't have to intro with our spirituality. We should let that speak for itself, right? So when people say, how you doing? When people ask me how I'm doing, I really say how I'm doing. Like, I'm like, man, it's having a rough day. You know, pray for me. But other days, it's like, you know, man, I'm great. Everything is good. And I try to say, and, and please excuse the term, the Christianese for the Christians. So in other words, if I'm speaking to an atheist or somebody, or if I don't know if they're a believer, and, 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 and somebody says, how you doing? I say, bless. And it, I've just drawn, I've just made that wedge even bigger when I say bless to somebody who's not even a believer. Right, exactly, because they're, then I believe, but if somebody, if you live genuinely, somebody says, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? Good. Or uh, just, just a regular conversation. Then we don't always have to intro with, with our faith. Our faith speaks for itself. I hope that makes sense. So I would say save the blessed for people that understand what it means to be blessed and just be beautiful Miss Vera. Hey, how you doing, sis? All right, high five and keep it moving that way. And then... What you're trying to do is tear down this wall because they already have an idea of what Christianity looks like. Some people are very scorned by their past relationships or encounters or experiences with this faith. So we've got to be very, you know, careful about that. But you are blessed, and they are blessed too. You know what I mean? Amen. Amen. So keep Amen. it moving, and that's, that's good. Any, any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Come on up. Have questions. I hope you guys don't mind. I'm not trying to take over here. Um, <laughs> I feel like five. No. Um, okay, so a couple of times, like, I know I've tried to read the Gospels, and I know, like, just from, you know, what I've learned a little bit from you, they're, they're ordered a certain, like, each one of them has a certain perspective, right? So what do you recommend? Is there a certain order? Like, should I start with, you know, Mark? Should I, sh- should I start with Luke to get a better understanding of how it all works together? That's what I would like to know. I don't, I don't know if it matters, but I just was thinking if I started with Luke, maybe it'll kind of make things make sense when I get to Mark kind of thing. I don't know. Mm, that's a good question. That's a real good question. Go ahead. Take a stab at it, brother. 
I would say from a, a basic understanding standpoint, it doesn't matter. And as you, as you read more, as you understand more, you start to see where they are, where these things converge, where they may diverge. And you read more, I think it's a good idea to start with Mark, because Mark's a short gospel. And you'll notice that as you read it, that you'll see more of Mark, it'll kind of pop up in Luke, it'll, it'll pop up in Matthew. And you see that from there that Matthew and Luke then have this thing where they share some things that you may not find in John. But I think from a very basic standpoint, if you want to learn about Jesus, just read one of them. Pick one and read it. I mean, you find that John is very different, but for the most part, pick one of those things, pick one of those books and say, okay, I want to learn about Jesus. And just read that story all the way through and go back and read it again. It's the same idea you may bring to another book of saying, okay, well, I read through this once, I got this from it. Read through it again, you'll get something different from it. And begin to read more again for understanding, read more for this idea of uh, formation, transformation. Kind of the first read through is called, okay, I'm just kind of read and understand, kind of just get the story, get the basics. Go back, read it again, you'll understand more about what's going on. And then from there, I think the Holy Spirit in many ways guides you from an understanding, from a standpoint of understanding better kind of how to go through it. But I don't think there's any particular order that jumps out at me that, you know, that you should take. Right. And, and I, I, would, I would ask this uh, as a follow-up question um, because, you know, the first question is what are you trying to understand That's in true. terms of the gospel? Um, are you just reading it as part of your devotion or are you reading it just for better understanding? And so if, if you're reading it for the latter, uh, for better understanding, then you want to try to read it along with, you want to read the God, say, I would say, you start with Mark. Like he said, it's a small one. Don't, I don't recommend starting with John because it's, it's totally different than the others. Very mystic. Mystical, Very mystic, yeah. yeah. Um, but start with Mark. That would be a good one. And so if you're going to read it, start with Mark. Read several different versions of it. Read like the King James, if you, if you can swallow that and digest that. Read the... Um, the uh, New Living Translation, and maybe the NIV, different versions of it, but also have a commentary with it to see what scholars who've studied these books are saying about it, what they've gotten from it. And then you, and, 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 and in the commentary, a lot of times, if you get a good one, it'll, it'll use some of the original language, the original words. You get to look at it like that. That's if you want that type of study. If you want that kind of study. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to. You ask. <laughs> if you want that type of understanding of it, then you want to do that. And that and, but if you just want to say, you know, I just want to read them and see how they're all together, a good study Bible will do that. Yeah. I mean, literally, this study Bible right here, it's an NLT version. It's really good. As soon as I open it up, the first thing it talks about is the Gospels. Literally. I mean, it, I'm not talking about breaking it down. It just breaks them down for me so I can get what I need in each of them. Uh, you know, let me show you right here what I'm talking about. Even it breaks down the the dates of major recordings of it, the history, right here. So right here it tells you the introduction to the Gospels. It's about four or five pages of that. It's in a good study Bible. I highly recommend you get one, and it answers all your questions about the Bible in, in one short read. Did, uh, I ask, did we answer your question? I would say, too, with that, that as, as you go through it to, uh, to try to find some way to just really make sure you have your grounding for one spiritual with yourself. As the, the more you read, the deeper you go. And the more you understand that sometimes these things can kind of pull you away. And uh, it's almost like um, I'm definitely not an enemy of education by any means. But I think that sometimes, uh, you know, I guess the Bible says that much knowledge is much grief. And sometimes that can happen in doing that. So if, and I'll, I'll share my story that in undergrad, it was this idea of I was, uh, I majored in religious studies and philosophy. But I learned about the Gospels and in my brain it was like, someone took it and just ripped out everything I'd ever learned about Jesus because I began to learn why the Gospels were written, like what was behind this, what was behind that. 
and you experienced it with me. I'll say my, it was my wife that asked that question uh, for those listening on the podcast. And she experienced with me with my like it was this this whirlwind for me of as I learned more, it took me through all these things. Go, why is this? Why is that? Why is that? And I had to refine my grounding, you know, as a man, as a man of God, and what that looks like. So as you go through this, try to make sure you got go through it by, by myself or you know, with Pastor B, with some people that you know, you can kind of go through it together and learn these things together so it won't just kind of pull you in all these different ways that you'll have some grounding. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And as you study this, he, as he said, one of the things we were talking about before we were praying back there in our green room, uh, we both talked about in seminary where they said, for one of the first things they want to tell us is everything you learn, what you're about to learn, everything you learn, do not let that steal your Jesus. But you'll learn some stuff that doesn't make sense to you, like why, why, why this, why that, but at the end of the day, we're studying Jesus, not, you know, history, we're studying Jesus, and that's what's more important, right? Did we answer your question? Awesome. Any others? You have one? Oh, oh, all right, come to the mic. So, I'll just ask the question I asked the first time, which is, it's on the lines of, evan- of evangelizing. So when you're evangelizing people, how do you convince people of the authenticity of the mm-hmm. Gospels? I asked this before. Mm-hmm. We all know the Dead Sea Scrolls were found hundreds of years, thousands of years after, you know, after these events took place. And certain books were placed in the Bible and certain books were not. Now, you never really hear people questioning the authenticity of the Old Testament. So is the New Testament because the Old Testament people know it was passed down by word of mouth and then written. Um, so how do, you, how do you convince people that, that this is authentic? How do you convince people of the authenticity of what Jesus Christ did? That's good. Okay. Yeah, you, <laughs> you were deep in thought. Follow, yeah. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make it plain. I'm going to make it simple. As I shared with you earlier in Scripture, now there's another way, but I'm just going to give you a very simple way to do that. As I shared with you earlier in Scripture, what was Jesus' command? He says, go and share the gospel. He didn't say go and convince people to believe it. That's his job. Your job is to share it. That's all he asks us to do. And the minute we get in trying to convince people the historical origin of the gospel, then we are out of line. We are out of our, we, we don't have permission to do that. And so oftentimes, like man normally does, we mess it up. God says, plain and simple, it's in Scripture, it is the Word, I believe it to be true. He says, go and share, not go and convince, not go and convert, not go and translate, go and share, and that's it. The rest is up to him to do. Yeah, that was along the lines of what I was going to share, that uh, with the, the idea of historicity, authenticity, all those things, you can start getting to some slippery slopes on those kind of things, and I think it is important to go back and kind of find where things came from, where they went, how they moved, all those things. I think that's very important to get a, ver- a better understanding of, of how the Bible works. But ultimately, just as Pastor B said, that it comes down to you're not so much trying to sell you know, the gospel, what you're trying to persuade us, share your story, share God's story, and a lot of Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. It's almost that same idea for me. I shared the idea of having a hero complex of thinking that we're going to go out and save people. It's not my job to save you or save anyone else. My job is to share this story, share God, and the Holy Spirit does the saving. Like my job is not salvation, and that's one of those things I think myself and a lot of pastors a lot of times have to come to that, that truth and realize, okay, it's not really my job to, to sell this or to persuade. And I think when you do that, that uh, it just kind of comes this thing of, okay, well, you start leaving things out, putting things in, and you start getting to a slippery slope of, you know, what is that, 
what am I going to leave or what am I going to put in, what I want to try to convince this person of. And I think it's more, more important to kind of fi- really figure out who God is for you and to you in line with this word and how you share that and allow God to do what God does and bring them to God. All right. Well, if I would take one more and we, we have to wrap it here. Yes, ma'am. Come on up. So, um, I don't know, I just, I guess I just felt like I wanted to share this is that for all those things that we kind of talked about, it's, um, I feel like the most inspiring thing, the most, the thing that has changed me the most in my, in my faith has not been just like, okay, I've memorized a lot of God's word and I'm really knowledgeable of it because I've definitely been in that place. (laughs) That didn't change anybody's life. But what I've been, when I've been confronted and someone comes and shares me with me, like, why do you believe what you believe or you know, what's your, why you do what you do? I, I just share my life, you know. They can't go and say, well, that doesn't make any sense. And where did that come from? You can't go and question what happened to me and how mm. I got to my place. They can go and question, well, why is it like this or this translation or that? But you can't, I can say, you can look at my life and say, I'm completely different. And the only way I got there is by Jesus. So whether that makes sense to you or not, it is what it is. You know, that's what's real. That's what's true. You know, and you can't go and make a, make a, like a, a theological questionnaire on my life and what God's done in it. So for me, that is the most, the most effective way that I have been reached by people is by them saying, Hey, this is how I got to this situation. Not just throwing a bunch of scripture at them. Cause I can do that now. And, but that's not gonna, that's not really going to change our life. But to say to like, what we're talking about living out the gospel is just saying, well, why do you live that way? Well, I live that way because God's word says this and this is why. And you kind of, it's the word of God applied, you know? And, um, because because we can get really lost with a lot of with a lot of Christianese and with a lot of Bible and whenever people see it lived out and they that's what inspires them you know amen amen amen, amen. so in closing I'll say this your life is the evidence of the good news thank you for joining us today our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.